What's happening? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Barrel Mill. Established in 2004, The Barrel Mill is a family-owned cooperage located in Avon, Minnesota. Their passion is coopering premium American white oak barrels and the patented oak infusion spiral for hundreds of award-winning craft distilleries. The Barrel Mill offers an array of barrels in size and char to fit your needs. Do you want to do a test batch? Huh? Do you? Do you want to do one? Check out the Oak Infusion Spiral, maximizing end grain exposure for full extraction in weeks, not months, but weeks. These award-winning oak barrels and spirals are available at www.thebarrelmill.com. Start your aging process today, will ya? Huh? Just go start it. Okay, now on this episode of the podcast, I sit down with Jim Bednar from Silk City Distillers in Clifton, New Jersey. Let me tell you, Jim knows his whiskey, and he makes some killer whiskeys. I like to pretend that I know a lot about whiskey, but I don't. And so it was really fun for him to show me around his place. We were thiefing different barrels for and the different whiskeys that he was producing in them. And uh, it was a wild ride. Um, Very cool. Very fun. And uh, not to mention, they are the nicest people ever. So this is stop three on my Jersey tour of uh, distilleries in Jersey. So check it out. All right. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Life Distilled. Here we explore the world of craft spirits and introduce you to the people and products that are making this world a better place, one small batch at a time. It is Zen and the art of micro distillation, your window into craft culture and your connection to the makers, creators, achievers, and thought leaders who are charting a path forward, cocktail in hand. This is Life Distilled. So, Jim, how are you? Good. How are you? Doing very well. Fantastic. I'm loving the Garden State. I really am. Welcome. Welcome. Is it not as terrible as they say? No, it's not. Uh, you know, normally when you think of uh, Jersey, I guess you think of... The Turnpike right out of the Newark Airport? Yeah, precisely. Yeah, the, the Turnpike. That's uh, That was the first question I asked when I was uh, coming out here because I have a few friends out here. And I was like, so how does the Turnpike work? Do I need like exact change for all the tolls or do I need like bills like anyway um but luckily my rental car had a little easy pass so nice. that, was, that was awesome um so first off tell me the story of silk city distillers how did you start when did you start how did it all begin yeah it's a great question so um few of us a uh, few of my friends um my brother uh tim who's who's here as well uh we're kind of whiskey aficionados uh nice. for years uh, we had been big Scotch fans, big bourbon fans, and kind of, you know, when you get involved in in whiskey uh, and you start to kind of uh, deal with whiskey as a hobby, yeah, you, really hard to not get involved in the people, the places, the how, the techniques, the mash bills, you know, all the all the details starts to be kind of really important. Yeah, um, just as a hobbyist, really interesting as a hobbyist, 
And uh, so we had kind of been going down that road for a couple of years. And um, once New Jersey started considering um, changing the laws to allow craft distillers, uh, because previously they hadn't been allowed, I think it was 2012 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, once we got word that it looked like the, the law might pass, uh, we kind of put the, the ball in motion and started planning out uh, putting together our own distillery. Fantastic. Okay. So if this is a brother operation, uh, two brothers and a friend. Okay, cool. So family business. Sure. Sure. That's awesome. No. Uh, okay. So, so you were whiskey connoisseur, whiskey lover. Yeah. Um, then lover, not connoisseur. Connoisseur is way too fancy. (laughs) Uh, whiskey drinker. Let's just leave it at that. There you go. Okay. Um, then were you ever, I guess, how did you learn how to distill? Did you, uh, I mean, we can keep this off. Plead, yeah, plead the, plead the fifth, <laughs> plead the fifth, pretty much everybody, uh, the same way everybody else does. Um, right. Yeah, you know, it's, um, we had, uh, we had played around a little bit. We had gone out and met with um, a lot of distillers um, around the U.S., spent mm-hmm. some time visiting a lot of distillers getting to know some distillers and uh, kind of getting our hands wet at a, a few other distilleries and talking with a lot of folks. And okay. it's kind of, uh, you know, you can you can sit down in a class and you can learn some stuff, and we did that. But I think there's mm, – it's kind of whiskey's all about the school of hard knocks and figuring it out for yourself. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So when you got into distilling, what was – I mean, whiskey, obviously, you're a whiskey, whiskey drinker. Um, was there, so whiskey was the, was the spirit that you set off to make. That's what you wanted to yeah, make. Yeah, bourbon. Bourbon. Okay. All right. And, uh, but of course you make a lot more than just bourbon. Correct. Okay. So first off, why bourbon? Oh, you know, um, like I said before, we had, we had kind of started off as, um, scotch fans and um kind of stuck around with scotches for a long long time Mm -hmm. and you know started kind of i started kind of dabbling in bourbon tim was a was a big bourbon fan and i think i got once i got bit by the bourbon bug yeah you know i i I can count on one hand how many bottles of scotch i i bought Mm -hmm. um since i got bit by the bourbon bug and um yeah just just a love for it it's got it's got great history it's got it's got a great story to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's, I mean, it's, you know, from my perspective, it's it's pretty much the most hands-on uh, spirit you can make. And I think that's, that's something that really motivated us um, to start the distillery is we're really hands-on, do-it-yourself, get-it-done kind of folks. Okay. And, um, you know, it seems to, it just, just ties right in with, with bourbon and the history of bourbon and the process of making bourbon. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. Um, let's, let's try your bourbon. Yeah, you got it. So let's start off with, uh, our flagship bourbon. Okay. Uh, it's a four grain bourbon, uh, corn, wheat, barley, and rye. Okay. Uh, this is, this particular batch is about 30 months aged. Okay. Usually we're doing blends of two to three barrels per batch. Right on. Um, you might consider this a high wheat. Um, if not, be, you know, the only reason I I hesitate a little bit is because there's rye in it as well. So mm-hmm. um, only five percent rye. 
And what we found was um, we love weeded bourbons, um, but the finish tends to lack a little bit on, on weeded bourbons. We miss a little bit of the spice. So we're using about 5% of locally grown rye. Uh, and that really just rounds out the flavor profile. It gives you a little bit more character in the finish, a um, little bit of spice, um, but ov overall it, it drinks really, really smooth. No, that is uh, that is really nice. And, and I see what you mean about the wheat. It almost comes across like kind of a little light on the yes. lighter side. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's well-balanced, nice, rounded, bourbon uh fantastic work thank you thank you <laughs> no thank you uh thank you um okay so amazing bourbon now why what else do you make you, i see the straight rye i see dark rum and uh so why why rum i guess why rum um why not <laughs> yeah so i'll say i mean at our heart it's it's american whiskeys uh mm -hmm. you know bourbon rye uh, we play around with a lot of different grain. Um, we've we've worked with quinoa. We work with oat. Um, we just we try to do a, we try to be a little bit different and kind of push the limits of what you'd consider traditional American whiskeys. Uh -huh. Whether that be through the mash bills, whether that be through kind of the process. Mm -hmm. um, we're now experimenting a lot with smoked grain. Okay, um, really enjoying um, the flavor profiles we're getting out of smoked grain. So it's it's uh, we're ninety nine percent whiskey at our heart. We make other stuff though. Rum, uh, rum is is a little bit of a passion project uh, for me. Okay, love the history of rum. Um, love kind of the the funky, um, more complex rums. We do two rums here. We do a Puerto Rican style white rum. Okay. We do a Jamaican style dark rum. Okay. Um, both are aged in our used bourbon barrels. Uh, that's one of the reasons we get to reuse our barrels. So yeah. we Thought, hey, let's let's try it out. And um, rum is really interesting, just like bourbon with its kind of rich history. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the stories and the history behind rum uh, are really, really crazy. Uh, and it's got such a rich kind of, I'll call it an academic history versus more of bourbon's kind of folk hand-me-down history. Okay. Um, and a lot of what we're doing with the, with the dark rum is really pushing the limits of yeast, bacteria, uh, it's a mixed fermentation rum, uses two different bacteria in addition to yeast. Okay. Um, and it's, if, if um, Lost Spirits is doing something a little bit similar to that, there are a couple of guys that are really just pushing the limits, but um, it's about getting um, getting a, uh, you know, a much more complex flavor profile out of the rum. Okay. Um, so. so when you say the different... Um, between the different styles, just so our, our listeners and viewers understand. So you say one's Puerto Rican, one's Jamaican. Yeah. What's the what's the difference in this? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, the Puerto Rican rums tend to be um, easy drinking, very smooth, very clean rums, crisp, easy to drink. Um, you get the main rum profile, but not a lot of other kind of congener um, flavor profile. Nothing crazy going on, just clean, clean rum. Um, we are, we ate, so, uh, the Puerto Rican rum is, uh, half cane sugar, half, uh, high grade molasses, high test molasses. Okay. Um, fermented cool, fermented fast. Okay. Um, distilled, uh, just on the bleeding edge of uh, 190 proof. Okay. 
we then age it for about six to nine months in our used bourbon barrels and then decolorize it. So wow. it's very similar to the Bacardi process. Okay. Um, so we get we get the the nice flavor profile associated with oak. So you get a lot of coconut, a lot of vanilla, um, along with the rum. So it's it's not just kind of boring mm-hmm. vodka esque rum. Right. Um, but it's all about clean. And now Jamaican is all about funk and crazy yeah. flavor profile. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever seen or anyone listening, you know, follows kind of like what, what's been going on or the history of like distilleries like Hampton, uh-huh. um, where they're using, you know, muck pits and dunder, uh, and all sorts of crazy bacteria. Wow. Uh, that's really our style. So, wow. um, I'm kind of a alcohol nerd. So, right. um, the crazier we can make it, uh, the more complex we can make it. We just love to push it. Okay. So, uh, where do you source most of your ingredients? Yeah, so um, we try to source as local as we can. Um, all of our corn, all of our rye comes from Jersey. Okay. Uh, we work with uh, two farmers in the state, one in the northwest, one in the southwest. Okay. Um, so we're trying to deal with really local. We've been working with the same farmer. Um, great guy, young guy, uh, Tor Anderson, uh, New Jersey Young Farmer of the Year. Wow. Yeah, so he's really passionate about farming. Uh, him and his dad started uh, started farming up there, and we really he he didn't intend to make corn for uh, bourbon, but we kind of pushed him down that path, and mm-hmm. he's since done a lot of rye for us as well. Um, and working with uh, another farmer, uh, South Jersey uh, Rabbit Hill, okay. uh, another cool story. Uh, young woman Hillary um, started up a farm, kind of family farm, pushed the limits, started making uh, doing grain and malt for the brewers. Okay. Uh, now doing stuff for us. So we get a lot of heirloom uh, heirloom grain uh, from her and some of the traditional stuff from uh, Tor up north. Okay, fantastic. So um, when I came in today, you are working on a new release. What is that? You want to talk about it? Yeah, so um, we have two new things going or three new things going. So uh, today's release is uh, we've got a maple syrup aged in our bourbon barrels. So totally not a distillery thing, but you know, having worked with a lot of uh, the local farm and the local farm community, um, a farmer approached us. He wanted to buy some barrels for us to do a bourbon barrel aged syrup. We said, sure, but you've got to sell us syrup. Uh, That started our maple syrup uh, passion. So um, since the second year we're doing it, um, not a whole lot, 200 bottles, but it, it's one of the as crazy as it sounds, it's probably the fastest selling thing, uh, we make. And usually within three days, we'll sell 200 bottles of, of maple syrup. It's fantastic. It's probably the best maple syrup you'll ever taste. Wow. Um, and then once we're done, we'll, we'll go ahead and, um, we'll go ahead and, and bottle the syrup, rinse out the barrel, uh, and then we'll put the bourbon that we dumped from the barrel back in that barrel usually give it about a month or so uh, and then bottle that as our maple cask bourbon wow okay that is that is awesome all right i gotta i gotta get my hands on a bottle of the syrup uh okay so try some more taste some more yeah let's do it sorry yeah i have my questions here my (laughs) So another, another, another thing we're really passionate about is 100% rye whiskeys. Um, so this is our straight rye. Uh, this is aged at least two years. These are aged in 30-gallon uh, barrels. Uh, the, this is 100% unmalted rye. 
Okay. Um, no malt at all. This is uh, 100% enzyme mash whiskey. Okay. Um, it is definitely not your typical rye. Um, big fruit forward wow, profile. Say, uh, a lot of dark fruit, a lot of dry fruit, plum, prune, fig, raisin. It is not an assertive rye. You certainly get the rye spice out of it, but we're really loving the flavor profile we get out of 100% uh, unmalted rye. Okay. We think it's a lot It's a lot easier to drink. I think what you'll find through all of our spirits is we're looking to have kind of more milder, subtler flavor profiles. Uh -huh. So even like the maple cask whiskey, I mean, it's just a hint of maple. It's not in your face. We hate flavored anything here. Sorry if you make flavored stuff. <laughs> um, but um, it, it's all about being subtle. And uh, we, we just love the flavor profile of this rye. Yeah, I get that's really that's really nice. It almost I love the nose on it. Like I can, I can smell that all day. Like I, like you said, all the, the, the prune, the raisin, the, the fig. I get a lot of fig. Um, honey, a lot of honey on the nose as well. Uh huh. Yeah. It almost, uh, it almost uh, reminds me of a brandy. Mm -hmm. It's like yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Uh, it's very yeah, it's very fruity. We've got a couple bottles of a one year variant of it that people still love because it's even fruitier than that uh-huh uh, and it's just amazing it's just amazing i mean you, yeah, you taste you taste a lot of the commercial rise which there's plenty of fantastic rye out there uh -huh. and it just surprises me how much of a different flavor profile we were able to get by not using any malted grain at all mm -hmm. wow no that is that is fantastic that is really good so um okay so this is a kind of fun topic i like to kind of take distillers down um what are your thoughts on rtds rtes ready to drinks yep, yeah yeah i mean uh, i'll tell you we've talked to canning we talked to the canning line guys um uh -huh. you know if uh if it if, if it didn't have such a big investment necessary in uh, in a bright tank to carbonate mm -hmm. i think we would have probably already have done some some rtds mm -hmm. um you know a little bit different i mean it's um it's kind of a fun project i don't think it would ever be a major seller for us yeah but i would really love i would really love to do a cans product okay and um you know being located next door to a brewery mm -hmm. you know you get a lot of folks that are looking to pick up cans and crowlers and whatnot to go and you can grab a bottle of whiskey sure it's fantastic right but, you know it's uh it's something i think we try i, I don't think there's anything wrong with it i think it's uh you know, I think it's uh, it's it, it's got it's a market. Mm -hmm. It's got a it's got a buyer. It's got a it's got a case. I think I think what it really needs is somebody to push the limits and do a really high end product. Yeah. In the format, mm -hmm. um, whether it be a carbonated cocktail or a still cocktail, maybe in a little bit of a smaller format. Um, I, you know, I think you could I think you could do a, a pretty nice job. You know, we played around with um, the idea of doing. Um, bottled cocktails okay um something like a manhattan only because in in jersey so for the folks around the the u.s so in jersey we can serve cocktails at, at our tasting room uh -huh. uh, but we cannot use outside alcohol okay um so we cannot make a manhattan here got it um but we could make a ready to drink cocktail bottled okay in the distillery 
bring a bottle over here and pour a Manhattan, which which kind of that's the yeah. that that's what had got us thinking about trying to do things in a different format. Yeah, I mean, first off, the the Jersey liquor laws are very interesting. It's uh, the the BYO is really really entertaining to me. Uh, I went out and got some pizza last night and uh, just set my six pack of local beer on top of the table, you know, and yeah. it's, I, I enjoyed it, you know, uh, but it was just like, do I, do I leave these, the empty cans or, you know, I take these and then they're going to dispose of them for me, I guess. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, we have a really monopolistic liquor license system in the U S in mm -hmm. uh, Jersey and the, uh, the prices of liquor licenses are incredibly high, incredibly mm -hmm. high. I mean, it's prohibitive for most restaurants to even think about buying a liquor license. So you get a lot of BYO, uh -huh. which is, I guess the one concession our local liquor authority made was allowing BYO in, you know, in restaurants because it would be impossible for them to get liquor licenses. Yeah. It's, wow. it's sad. You know, it's, um, the the craft brewers and the craft distillers get a lot of pushback in this state from um the liquor authority because of the restaurant associations and liquor license holders really pushing back because they see us as a major threat mm -hmm. um even though we're not a threat and we work you know we've got great friends at restaurants and bars across you know across the state that love to serve our stuff um there there are folks that see us as a threat because you know in some places where a liquor license might cost you half a million or $750,000 for a liquor license, right. the prospect of somebody opening a distillery uh, or a brewery just down the road uh -huh. is a major threat to you and, and the investment you made in that license. Wow. That is, uh, that is pretty, that's pretty heavy. Um, okay. So back to what you can serve here. I get that. I mean, you could make a Manhattan, but you'd have to make the vermouth. Can't make a vermouth in a distillery. Ooh, vermouth is true. Of a winery. Right. It is. It yeah, is. It is. Yeah, we've, oh, we've wow. gone down that road. Oh, yeah. There's so so many different things. I mean, just to make a Manhattan. I mean, the yeah. uh, for a bourbon distillery to not be able to make a Manhattan is just a travesty. Okay, but yeah, that's what we deal with here. Okay. Um. So, how is a family-owned business? Mm -hmm. How's a how? What does the wife think? about all this uh, i'm supposed to be home in about an hour to go to a anniversary party but yeah it's uh, my wife's bartended here a few times she's uh she's been involved uh we're doing a big tasting event local tasting event on monday and she'll be she'll be pouring with me there so uh everybody's involved you know family wise um my dad is a is a big presence here okay. he spent a lot of years in uh pharmaceutical um and drug manufacturing so he oh, is wow. our he is our qc quality process as well as our engineering guy who makes sure everything keeps running here so okay yeah it, you know it is it is a right you know, there's a family influence yeah sure. with your uh, with your father's history you know it's like you're making another type of pharmaceutical you know it's a different uh it is a it kind of a pharmaceutical so. <laughs> yeah, exactly right exactly i mean i used to manage bars and i had a few uh patrons that would just uh, what are we having today, doctor? I'm like, I got you right here. This is, this you is, this will freshen you up. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's taste something else. All right, so I was rye was heavenly. I'm not gonna lie, uh, really enjoyed that. But I do notice you have quite a few. You have quite a few other spirits. So whiskey, rum. I see gin, a gin, vodka, vodka. Okay, excellent. And everything is fermented, distilled in house. 
Uh, everything but this. So the gin and the vodka, we use uh, neutral spirit base. Okay, neutral spirit base. Okay. And you flavor your vodkas. You have some flavored no. vodkas? No. No. Okay, just, just no. clean vodka. We do infuse for the bar here. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, that, that's, yeah that's it. We only infuse for the bar and cocktails. Here. Okay, no, see, that's that's a great way to serve cocktails. You know, you can you know, do some uh, mix it up here a little bit. Yeah, we do. Uh, in, in order for us to be able to make syrups, generally, if anything calls for a liqueur, we need to make a syrup. A syrup base that mimics it yeah so okay. a lot of fr fresh fruit a lot of fresh juices and i think uh for even for not um being able to use outside alcohol mm -hmm. i think uh we, we've got a fantastic cocktail menu we've got you know long long line of of regulars who just love the mm -hmm. the cocktails we do at the bar cool all right all right fantastic so i talked a, bit, a little bit about the uh the smoked whiskeys okay. uh, before uh, so give this one a try this is uh this is our four grain bourbon, same mash bill as our flagship, um, but this uses oak smoked wheat. Okay. And beechwood smoked barley. So we wanted to do a uh, smoked whiskey in the style of a scotch, you know, a little throwback to our scotch days, but we didn't want to use any sort of peat. Mm -hmm. We played around with other smoking woods. We wanted to find like what what's a real American wood we could smoke with, and and you, of course you go to things like mesquite and hickory. Uh -huh. And we had experimented with mesquite and hickory, and you know they really don't give you a pleasant smoke profile. It's a really acrid, heavy smoke. Um, some people have have got it to work in, in light quantities, but um, so we started playing around with other smokes, uh, and we really like beech, uh, and we really like uh, the oak smoke. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're aging in a charred oak barrel, so you get a little bit of that oak char anyway. Mm -hmm. um, you, so usually we don't usually we don't add uh, water to our whiskeys, uh -huh. uh, with the exception of this guy here. Okay. Um, so just as you would in a scotch, um, the water does really, really open it up and wow. get the smoke profile. Yeah. I mean, because I, I just taste it, and it's you get you get the heat and you get the smoke, but. Oh wow! It just—it's like it gets um, like more vanilla-y. <laughs> That's a technical term. It gets uh, a little more more. Yeah, floral. I mean it's it's a it's a it's a mild smoke. It's not uh -huh. a real heavy. It's not a real heavy peaty smoke. Yeah. Um, totally reminiscent of barbecue. Um, when we mash this and we're mashing corn and we got the smoked grain coming in, it it I mean you would you would swear it's cornbread and barbecue. Yeah. Um, in here and it's just fantastic and I think you get that you know you get that in here so no, it's probably is... the most probably the most American whiskey yeah. we make just because it um, it's got so much of a barbecue character to it right and it it does not taste like barbecue but <laughs> no exactly it doesn't taste like you barbecue ribs or yeah 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 <laughs> but um, it's a, it's a it's a really nice pleasant smoke um, our our South Jersey farmer um, Rabbit Hill is just this week uh, smoking us a thousand pounds of rye wow. uh, with citrus wood. Okay. So we're looking at doing an orange wood smoked straight rye. Okay. Um, just because we can and it's right. crazy and nobody does. You know, uh -huh. everybody's doing apple wood or, uh -huh. you know, the, the, the typical smoking woods. So we said, how do we push the limits? Okay. Um, and we, we really liked what was going on with some of the citrus wood smokes. It's got a really amazing finish. You get a little bit of that citrus character in there. Mm -hmm. And I think it really works with whiskey. I mean, come on, in, a, in an old-fashioned or whatnot, it's, it wouldn't be in an old-fashioned without a little bit of the, an orange peel in there. Mm -hmm. And just a little bit of that citrus note that comes through uh, in the smoke. 
um, really gives it a different character. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Fantastic. So you have an anniversary party you have to go to today? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Wedding anniversary party. I'm like, our anniversary? No. It's mm. All right. Well, um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the, the rum. Sorry. I was yeah. just making sure. I was like, what kind of anniversary? Okay. Wedding anniversary. Well, congratulations. How many years? Not mine. Not yours. Not mine. No. Oh, I was about to say. I was like, damn, I do not want to hold We're that We're 15 up. and hopefully I'll make it to 16. Yeah. Uh, no, no, not ours. Okay. Uh, so, uh, this guy's really interesting. Oh, so, this yeah, is, uh, it is. Okay. So, I have a friend. He's so passionate about rums mm -hmm. and uh, he's all about the funky Jamaican style. Yep. And uh, he turned me on to it. And it is very, it is very much an acquired taste. And uh, I, I, I have a saying, it's ESA, every spirit appreciated um, because I realize what it takes to make spirits. And so I try not to knock it, but this is, let's, you explain your description of what this smells like in the nose. So it's, um, I would say big vanilla forward. Yeah. Um, Cause this is aged in fresh dump bourbon barrels. Um, it's got a little bit of a whiskey character to it. Um, some rum rum aficionados have, have told us it's a little bit too whiskey for them. Okay. Um, but being a whiskey distillery, we don't think that's a problem at all. Uh -huh. um, a lot of burnt, you know, a lot of a, a dark um, flavor profile. So burnt sugar, caramel, mm -hmm. kind of toffee, vanilla. Um, you get a lot of tropical fruit. Uh, you get pineapple. Um, no, I was gonna say I do. I do. Get you get coconut. You get coconut from the from the bourbon barrel as well, mm -hmm. which is really really interesting. Um, it's not as funky as a lot of the the really crazy. We're not talking like a Hampton rum fire yeah. or something like that. Yeah. That just crazy overproof. Mm -hmm. um, but we love the flavor flavor profiles that we get. You know, we've done a lot of rums, and we did rums without bacteria, mm -hmm. uh, and then we did rums with bacteria, and um, there's definitely something to uh, the Jamaican style and the Dunder bacterial contribution um, that really that really comes through as magic and I know it sounds terrible because I you know I'm using the word bacteria and everybody you yeah. know you think bacteria and you're like oh my god yeah. that's that's terrible yeah. uh, I'll call it uh, microfauna or yeah. uh, uh, you know, you, you can come up with better names for it, but what we, what we are talking about is using two different kinds of bacteria here. We use, um, for the geeks listening, uh, we use a Clostridium strain, and we use a Propriani bacterium strain. We also use lacto. Okay. Um, so we use lacto in some of our whiskeys as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so we bacterial sour mash. Um, and then we use uh, really traditional rum yeast with this. Um, this one is a blend of two different kinds of molasses. Okay. Uh, black strap and a high test. Okay. Um, and the reason we mix the two molasses together is we really don't like the quality of um, dark rums made from 100% uh, U.S. molasses. Mm -hmm. I think the sugar plants are getting way too efficient in the sugar extraction. And what happens is the quality of the molasses is just going down and down and down. Okay. Um, you couldn't make a really nice Jamaican style dark rum without um, some amount of black strap, okay. but we're, you know, it's not a hundred percent, you know, we've, you've got to increase the sugar content and we do that with uh, high test molasses. Okay. No, that's, uh, 
No, it's yeah, again back to the big bacteria. I come from wine country, mm-hmm. so I have a pretty solid wine knowledge background. Um, speak with a lot of winemakers all the time, and uh, and they say it's naturally fermented. It's with the natural yeast. It's just really whatever's on the skin. And Correct. Some people are really wait a second. So you don't add any. No, it just sits there, and essentially rots and turns into some fantastic wine. You know, um, so. I get it. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not turned off by the bacteria, you know. Um, but uh, that's a really fantastic rum. That is Thanks. that's really yeah, nice. And I, I see the you know where the rum aficionados are like it's too bourbony for me. But I think that's a fantastic character that to bring across in this heavy fruity rum. Um, that's fantastic stuff. Um, so for everyone. Everyone watching, we are in the tasting room and there is a bar happening. So people are in and out and uh, people are doing stuff. So I just like to illustrate that if you hear anything <laughs> in the background. Oh, there's my phone. Uh, so, okay. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, American Single Malt? And are you going to venture down that road? Uh, we do have malt whiskey coming out um, this fall. Uh, that is, it would be considered American single malt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's. Um, I don't, I don't know that we're going to spend a lot of time making it. We we played around with you know 100% malt barley um, spirits and whiskeys, and um, you know the American style is all about rye and corn, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a big part of it. And it really is a different flavor profile. Um, I think it's a great idea. I think I think the quality is going to be good. I think I think the folks around the U.S. that are really looking to invest the time in doing, um, you know, malt whiskeys, uh, barley malt whiskeys in the U.S. will come up with a really good product. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it'll be different. Um, the one thing that's really standing out is a big question mark to me is, and I think it's still an issue is. In order to get a malt whiskey label in the U.S., you've got to age it in a new bar- in a new barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't get you can't use a malt whiskey label um, in a used barrel, used cooperage whiskey. And I think that's really going to be the dividing line between what people know and expect of European style whiskeys uh, and what they're looking for in the, in the American style whiskeys. I mean, I think I think it's not going to harm it from a spirits class perspective because I think American whiskey drinkers are more attuned to new barrel whiskeys and are looking for the flavor profiles of, of new barrel whiskeys. So the char, the oak, the vanilla, uh, the big wood sugar flavors. Um, okay, fantastic. Um, so, hmm. I gotta ask also, this is changing the subject. I've heard amazing things about ruts across the street. The hot is like, Best hot dog in Jersey or what? Best hot dog in the USA. Really? Multiple years in a row. Yeah, for sure. All right. Okay. okay. It's an, yeah, it's an institution. It's an institution. So for, for uh, you can Google it, look it up. They'll they'll be at the number one or top three um, of pretty much every hot dog list. Uh, it's a deep fried hot dog. They okay. call it the Ripper. Um, they call it the Ripper because they fry it so long that it basically starts to shred itself in the deep fryer. Um, yeah, it's a great hot dog. Okay, cool. Um, so 
being from Jersey. Have you been here your entire life? Yeah, lifer. Yeah. Lifer in Jersey. Lifer in Jersey and love it. Love it. Excellent. No, that's fantastic. Cause so when you started Silk City, mm -hmm. um in the end in the end business model, um, do you think you would ever sell Silk City at any point? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows? I mean, this is I, the the tough the tough part of that is it it is as much a passion project as it is a business. Uh huh. You know what I mean? So, uh, if if I think if we ever sold, we would end up starting another distillery the day after we sold. Uh, you know. So yeah. No. Okay. And it's exactly. It's I. I mean. I ask that question and I get answers across the board. Um, no, I want to keep it forever. You know, it's a legacy. You want to pass it on to the family and, or it's like, hell yeah, like sign me up or, uh, you know, I love it, but if the number's right, so I get it, you know? Um, but do you think that there's room in, uh, the industry where people would be actually buying oh, yeah, distilleries yeah. still like, uh, so there was a no name distillery two miles from here that probably no one on this podcast had ever heard of before, um, called black Prince that okay. was just bought by Sazerac, um, wow. for triple digit, triple digit millions. Wow. Uh, I, uh, yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, a you know, they, they did not make anything anyone knows because it would have been relegated to the speed rail or the bottom shelf of most stores. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's crazy how it's crazy how much the, the big houses are paying for some of the brands these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still remember when, when, uh, Hudson, the, the Hudson brand was bought, um, William Grant. And I mean, it's, you know, that, that surprised a lot of people and it, it just continues to surprise a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to last. I don't think it's going to last forever, but you know, our model is really different. Um, we are really close to our retailers. We are really close to our customers. We are really close to the bars and the restaurants that work, we work with. Um, I don't, I don't know that the model scales. And I think, I think a lot of distilleries around the U S are going to be a little bit surprised if they were hoping to become the next big national brand. I, you know, there's only so much room there, but you know, we've been doing so well locally. Um, maybe it's the demographic, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the people, you know, we've, the reason we've got the, the tasting room here and we do so much in the tasting room is, you know, we think we think consumers are all about kind of the experiential aspect of it. Right. And I mean, we've got a crazy, rabid fan base um, that will come here to buy bottles from us when, as soon as they're released. Um, like I said, the, the maple syrup will do 200 bottles of maple syrup. And, we, you know, that is like a we're, we're a distillery. What the hell yeah. are we doing with maple syrup? <laughs> and we'll still sell 200 bottles in a weekend. Um, because of our fan base, the folks will just come out and, and, and grab a bottle as soon as it comes out because they know it's limited and, yeah. and they know it's a, it, it's it's a one time thing. I, yeah, I don't know that that thing. I don't know that you can scale that. You know what I mean? It's about building kind of connections with people. It's about building relationships with, with bartenders. Um, you know, we'll have bartenders from the restaurants that we work with come here and do do special events, one night events here, where they'll they'll do their own menus. It, you know, it's it's a community. It's it's something that's really really different. I think you know a lot of people talk about millennials and changing demographics and how do you appeal to the changing demographics. 
I think that's I think that's one of the aspects of it is you've got to be really close to that market and you know you got to be genuine and it's it's there's it's it's kind of a no bullshit thing you got to mm-hmm. you know you got to make what you're saying you make and and you know people are gonna love it yeah very well said I uh, I appreciate that I think yeah it's community that's uh, that's the biggest thing with with craft distilleries that I've been seeing and uh, and that's uh, it's that's big and also how tight the community of distillers are as well yeah um, for sure they tend to band together because they know that there's big constellation brands you know Pernod Ricard just running the show and uh, it's like a gang you guys got to stick together and uh, yeah the Jer- the jersey uh, the jersey scene is is pretty tight we've got a guild uh, we've got a guild going pretty much I would say probably half the state distillers are pretty tight with the guild um, everybody works together everybody works together we don't see each other as competition I mean we're all yeah. we're all friends on a first name basis and and trade good ideas and trade what works and what doesn't work uh, back and forth and you know it, it's great you know we've got enough population in Jersey um, you know from north to south the whole state yeah that we don't have to worry about you know somebody taking market share because we can grab market share from the big guys all day long mm-hmm. um, and the more people we introduce to kind of the craft spirits and the whole the craft spirits scene and everything we're about the bigger we grow the the, the pool of folks that that seek it out and yeah. we'll go to distilleries every weekend or every other weekend and you know we'll we'll kind of change their you know cha- change what they do change their behaviors and not go to a local bar anymore and instead they'll they'll just do a circuit of you know the local distilleries and the local craft breweries and you know I talked a little bit in the, the beginning about you know the threat that a lot of the traditional you know bars and restaurants are fa- facing uh-huh. because they they don't they're they're operating the same way um, they're doing nothing different you know they're they're doing the same things they would have done twenty or thirty years ago uh-huh. and it's just that you know hey I've got a license to sell liquor and you don't so I can own this market um, and I think a lot of the local a lot of the local bars that aren't really focused on upping the game really quality product quality cocktail quality spirits really giving people an experience they're ju- they're just dying because who 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 goes there I, I you know i guess they got the same customer base that have been going there for 30 years but um when that when that uh that demographic kind of moves on um those guys are all going to be in trouble so yeah. i think i think craft craft spirits craft beer i mean it i think it just has it's just at the beginning i mean we're we're totally at the beginning um, plenty of room to run, plenty of room for more competition uh, in the space. Awesome. Um, so, with that being said, where are you distributed? Uh, so, we're low. I mean, we distribute, we're still self distributing, although we're considering working with uh, a local distributor. Okay. Um, we, liked, we liked for the first couple of years really being able to um, cherry pick. Um, who we worked with uh-huh. and I know that sounds probably really kind of uh, pretentious uh-huh. um, but we really really cared about kind of the product and how the product was positioned um, and we worked with pretty much I mean if you looked at the list of top 20 or top restaurants in the state or top bars in the state it, that that was our that was our customer base 
we were not interested in being at the corner, you know, corner liquor store. Yeah. I think as, as, as a craft product, you've got to be really, really super conscious of, of positioning in the marketplace. And I think, um, you really have to look at yourself as a premium product make a premium product, market yourself as a premium product and, and be in the same place as premium products are because it's really tough to, to, to compete at the mid, the mid market or, or at the low end, mm -hmm. unless you can do so much volume right. uh, to be able to compete. So, you know, um, you really got to come out positioning yourself as a, as a premium brand or a super premium brand, um, and work to build those relationships with, with the places that, you know, appreciate that kind of thing. I, I always joke with everybody. They're like, well, where can we find, where can we find Silk City? I said, well, if you go to a restaurant and you look at the menu and you say, well, the chicken came from this farm and the lettuce came from this farm and the carrots came from this farm, they're probably going to have our whiskey because they care about where things come from and who made them and the story behind it. And I think, I think if anyone is not taking that, road as a craft distiller you're totally doing yourself a disservice that's awesome uh that's uh let's let's wrap this up right there um tasting room hours and location yeah so we are uh we're Shout out, yeah 321 river road in uh, clifton new jersey across the street from ruts hut so uh for everyone around the the U.S., um, we're right out, uh, out right out the Lincoln Tunnel outside of Manhattan, probably about fifteen minutes outside of Manhattan, um, due west. Uh, we're open uh, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays. Obviously, uh, Thursday, Friday open uh, during the, the evenings, uh, day and evening on Saturday and Sunday. Okay. Well, fantastic and. Uh by the time this podcast launches, they just released their maple bourbon. So uh, it'll be gone by the time it'll be gone by the time this uh, this podcast launches for sure. Oh, right on, uh, Jim. Thank you so much. Yeah, cheers. Thank cheers. You very thank much. you, man. Definitely. All right. Thanks for joining us this time. Jim is awesome. If you happen to find yourself in Clifton, New Jersey, swing by Silk City Distillers and say what up. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I had a great time at stop three in my Jersey tour. And once again, this podcast is brought to you by The Barrel Mill. Check out thebarrelmill.com for some oak infusion spirals. Or if you are ready to age some stuff in barrels, check them out. They got them for you. Okay. And once again, thank you to you guys. This podcast is not possible without you. Please support us on Patreon. Like, share, subscribe. Share this podcast with a friend. Do it. All right? Talk to you. Love you guys. Bye-bye.